you know, I got some uh, good news and bad news, but the bad news will go first, and then the good news. The bad news is I'm doing uh, the next part on Gog and Magog and Putin and all that stuff next Sunday. I wanted to do it this Sunday, but it'll be even better next Sunday. Wait, 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 wait there's good news. <laughs> uh, I can still preach it. <laughs> he goes, I want to hear about Armageddon, man. <laughs> uh, be, next week, be here because it's, I've, 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 I was ready to preach, but I feel like Jude, when he says in Jude chapter one, verse three, it's really only one chapter, if you want to call it chapter, he says, you know, he talked about how he uh, desired to write to them about their common salvation, you know? That's what he says. He says, you know, that was his desire. And then he says, but then the Lord changed his heart and pressed upon his heart to uh, encourage them to appeal to them to contend for the faith, which was once for all delivered to the saints for certain men had crept in unaware, uh, ungodly men who were long ago marked out for uh, that condemnation, who were turning the grace of God into licentiousness and denying their master and Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, And so I have, I want to preach another message that's more devotional. Okay, so it's still very, it'll be very devotional. It's hard to make Armageddon super devotional. So you'll be challenged more here in your spiritual walk, amen? Uh, so it's kind of funny the way uh, John had prayed, you know? Because, and this, should, this won't be, this should be an encouraging message, you know? And I'll, I find ways to make Armageddon devotional because in the light of the fact that the Lord's coming back, we need to be right with God, amen? So for me, end time messages are super motivational, man. So, uh, but we'll be in that next week. I'm excited because I, I, was, I was ready to preach that message. It's there sitting to be preached. But I'm, and I'm ex- really, really excited about it. Because there's a lot of questions I want to answer regarding Gog and Magog and so forth. Uh, a lot of people put the Gog-Magog war. And a lot of people believe Russia is, is Magog. And I have some agreement with that. I do believe it also relates to Turkey. Uh, but I also do really believe, based on the, the, the text, uh, and the, the remotest parts of the north from Israel, which is Russia, uh, in this war in the end times. Uh, but, so, uh, but is Putin the Antichrist? That's one thing that's coming up right now. And if you type in Putin Antichrist, he's one of the ones who's most pegged as the Antichrist by people that are prophecy. Most prophecy experts do believe uh, that, that Russia is, uh, is Magog, but we don't always want to go with what most people believe because most prophecy experts believe differently than even what the early church taught regarding the time of the rapture, right? You know, most of them believe it's before the tribulation period. Well, many prophecy experts believe that, uh, that Magog and that war and the invasion of Israel happens before the tribulation period. The top two of the top two prophecies, so-called experts in the last 30 years, uh, Rosenberg, you know, uh, New York Times bestselling author, uh, also uh, uh, Tim LaHaye, you know, if you watch the, the Left Behind movie, the first one, or you read the series, it begins with, the movie begins with World War III, which is like months before the rapture, which is right before the tribulation period. And that is so unbiblical as far as where they put the timing of that war. I'm going to prove that to you biblically uh, because I personally believe, well, I'm going to be preaching that message, man. So I better stop right now. Uh, a little cliffhanger. Uh, anyway, we'll get, we'll, we'll get into that uh, next week. Uh, as far as when it is, what it is, who it is. And I do believe what's happening right now very well could be incredibly significant, though, as far as where it's all headed and, and how they're lining up with what the Bible reveals to be the bear, the lion, and the leopard, and how Russia's in cahoots with those specific 
Muslim nations, which play an end-time factor, so it's really the table's being set. And by the way, if you followed our ministry for years and years and years, you know most pre-trib prophecy experts, not only do many of them put uh, Magog war before the tribulation, but many of them were talking about the United States of Europe being the 10 nations that give their power to the beast. And I have been saying for years and years and years, I've taught the book of Revelation over 30 uh, years now at this church, okay? And I've been saying, even before I was a pastor, when you look at who's identified there in the beast nations, it looks like these Muslim nations around Israel, along with this, you know, one from the north. And that made no sense years ago when I was saying that. You know why? Because the Muslims were not in power. They were not these jihadists doing holy war against our country. There wasn't uh, this, this concern with, you know, uh, what's going on in the Muslim world. And certainly with Russia having all these nukes being mixed up with Iran and Iraq and, and Syria was not going on. And I just say, well, I'm not looking, because everybody's looking at the United States of Europe. I'm like, no, no, it's not what they're, and then guess what? Everything shifted. A lot of people are refusing still to look at this, what the scriptures say on this. But so I gave you a little taste and next week we'll go through scripture. And we've already talked about who the leopard and the lion and the bear is. So what, listen to the last couple messages I did on this, amen? So you'll really, so that way I don't have to explain all that in any detail. I can get right into Gog and Magog. And, and by the way, read chapter 38, read chapter 39. If, in fact, read 36 to 37 about God regathering Israel first before this thing goes down, which just happened not too long ago, relatively speaking, compared to how long we've been on this planet. Uh, 1948, they'd have to become a nation, regathered from the nations, and then these things would go down. Even Ezekiel 38 and 39 talk about that. After they've been regathered, this thing will happen in the last days. It's the last day kind of event. Anyway, the name of this message is uh, uh, the baptism of boldness. The baptism of boldness. I'm sure that title has been used many, many times. I know Walter Martin used that, but this message will be far different than whatever he preached there, because this is the message that's been burning on my heart. And I want to still do something that's prophetic and go back to the book of Revelation where we've been going through, even though we've been dealing, because we're in the book of Revelation, turn to Revelation 21. We are in verses, verse seven. We are going to now go from verse seven and still talk about verse seven with verse eight for context. And this is, these are very, very, very important verses, especially in the times in which we are living right now. And this message will be, be a, a far more challenging message for you than the one on Gog and Magog as far as your devotional life with Jesus and, and following Jesus and seeking him. Can somebody get my phone? <laughs> and then if, uh, if, if, but at the same time, you know, next week's message will be more challenging intellectually as far as thinking it through, but I'll, I'll try not to go too fast. But I want to encourage you guys and challenge you guys because these are pretty... There's such a beautiful passage here, verses 1 through 7. But then verse 8 is one of the scariest verses in all the Bible. And when you look at the contrast between verse 7 and verse 8, there's so much to learn. So in Revelation 21, uh, he talks about, and this is, you know, when the Lord says he's going to create a new heaven, a new earth, after Satan is thrown into the lake of fire, after the millennial period, after the thousand-year reign of Christ. We read in verse 1, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth passed away, and there was no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, made ready as a bride adorned for her husband. Glory, glory. Verse 3. 
And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is among men, and he will dwell among them. And they shall be his people, and God himself will be among them. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And there will no longer be any death. There will no longer be any mourning or crying or pain. The first things have passed away. Happy day, amen. Happy eternity. Verse 5. And he who sits on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. And he said, Write, for these words are faithful and true. Verse 6. Then he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give to the one who thirsts from the spring of the water of life without cost. It's free. Free. Salvation is free. Verse 7. He who overcomes will inherit all things. And I will be his God, and he will be my son. So this promise, is this promise given to, is this promise applied to everyone? It's given to everyone. Everyone has the opportunity, but it's for the overcomer, okay? And one who is over, overcomes, the, the term faith is a term that has synonyms throughout, for instance, the Gospel of John as far as, uh, you know, his sheep hear his voice, right? They believe. Pistis, but what else? They follow, my sheep follow me, amen? So true faith is to follow Christ, amen? And we overcome Satan, we're told, in 1 John chapter 5, by our faith, amen? So overcoming the evil one is through faith. It's just, it, it's the result of our faith in Christ. That Greek word pistis uh, is hard to translate. When you look at how it's used in the first century, uh, by historians and, and writers. It oftentimes can refer to belief in, as in a body of doctrine or belief in a person, but oftentimes it has the idea of allegiance. Allegiance, uh, you know, faithfulness, you see. And sometimes when you come to certain verses, they're not sure how to translate it. Faith or faithfulness. And there's a bunch of word studies. I've got different books by different, uh, you know, Greek experts who've just written whole books on faith meaning allegiance, you know, faith uh, meaning faithfulness and how it was used in the early centuries. And so we, we kind of empty of its meaning when we think of it just as a cognitive assent to believe in something. And sometimes it has that meaning for sure, but oftentimes it, it, it has the understanding, carries the meaning of having an allegiance to, you see. Josephus used the word pistis uh, in regard to those who were, uh, had allegiance to their general and so forth. I give you a lot of examples of that. And uh, so uh, true faith, trust in the Lord, amen? And I, I, I use the word trust a lot because it encompasses allegiance, I believe, and belief. You know, the word faith, a lot of times what comes to your mind is belief. But the word trust encompasses belief for sure because you can have trust if you're not believing. So it, the word trust implies faith for sure. You know, you're believing in the one you're trusting. But when you're trusting someone, you have an allegiance to them so long as you continue to trust them. And overcoming is the basic, uh, is what faith looks like when it's held onto through adversity. And that's why Revelation 12, 11 says, and they, meaning the believers, they overcame him, that is Satan, by what? The blood of the lamb. That's the ground of our victory, amen? That's how we get victories through what he did on the cross. And by the word of their testimony, amen? We confess him as Lord. And they love not their lives even unto death. They held on to their faith to the end. That's the overcomer. So the overcomer, the one who is trusting in the blood of Jesus, who is confessing him as Lord, amen, 
has the word of testimony and, and continues to hold to their faith to the end, that doesn't mean there weren't blips and hiccups within your walk, but that means in the end you cross, cross the finishing line trusting Jesus, amen? These are overcomers. And these overcomers are set with a huge slew of things that are mentioned through the tribulation period whereby the bride isn't even made ready for the Lord's return until you get right before his return in verse 11. You see him coming on his white horse, but you see his bride has made herself ready, the church, in verses 7 through 9, ready for the wedding finally because she's gone through the tribulation. Yes, the church is mentioned in the book of Revelation over and over again. And she's finally, yeah, and she's there. There she is, man. But guess what? The church is warned, and the churches specifically are warned, and then whoever has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches, because the entire church is supposed to be picking up on the promise and warnings of the churches. For instance, the church of Smyrna, he says the devil is about to cast you into prison. You will have tribulation 10 days, right? He says, be faithful unto what? To death. And I will give you the crown, which is life. Amen? The crown of life. He that overcomes, he says, will not be hurt by the second death, which is, of course, the lake of fire. So the overcomer won't be hurt by the lake of fire, but the overcomer is the one who's faithful unto death again, right? And then he receives the crown of life. And then he goes on to say, he that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. We are all supposed to heed these warnings and be overcomers. However, persecution is growing right now in our world. Are people more uncomfortable in a shopping center talking about Jesus Christ or using his name in vain? Use his name in vain. A lot of people would be shrink back from just talking about Jesus in a shopping center to people. Hey, but you know what? If they use his name in vain because they can't get a certain product or they can't really get older and they can't read the, the ingredients or whatever, uh, that's considered normal, right? But man, if you, if you thank the one who made you and gave you life, that's considered, oh, that person's a freak, man. The world is so upside down, so backwards, man. The world is as upside down, amen? The kingdom is right side up. But according to the world, we're, we are in the upside down kingdom, amen? The first will be last, the last will be first, right? You know, it's all, because the world's actually backwards. But it's interesting, uh, we're going to be challenged more and more as the world gets darker. And we need to hold on to our faith. And we need to make sure that we are courageous, and that we don't back down, and that we have had an, a baptism of boldness, so to speak, that we're bold, and that we have boldness for Christ. Because it's those who endure persecution, endure temptation, endure th through their trials, and hold their faith to the end, who will be shining with Jesus in the end. But guess what? What about those who shrink back, shrink away? Look at the very next verse. But for the what? Cowardly. The cowardly. And unbelieving. Notice the cowardly are distinct from the unbelieving. The unbelieving are the lost. The cowardly are those who once professed Christ. Top commentators like Beale, uh, Osborne, others, acknowledge this is directed this first word cowardly warning for those in the church and it's interesting uh, I want to get into a word study on cowardly there okay 
But I will do more work on this verse, by the way, and specifically with that word cowardly. But I want to focus more on being not cowardly, amen? On being bold, amen? Being bold as a lion for Jesus. So you don't ever fit in this category, amen? So you don't, uh, you know, you don't, you're not tempted not to lift up the name of Jesus, amen? Right now, everybody's been talking about everything but Jesus lately, amen? COVID, 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 ad nauseum. And I've thought, you know what? I'm going to use this opportunity to lead people to Christ, amen? And lift up his name, amen? And him is the answer. And not allow them to shut our mouths, amen? And that's one thing we said all the way through this time, is that, we, yeah, we're called to obey the laws of the land. Romans 13, it's real clear. Thus saith Romans 13, the Lord, you obey the laws of the land. Unless they contradict the word of God, amen? And they tell us to take the mark of the beast. They tell us to... Uh, deny Christ. They tell us that we can't fellowship anymore. So we continue to fellowship. Even at times when people, everybody didn't know what it was at first, right? People were, we still, even, we still met here and anybody was allowed to come in. We had people that still came and we never said, hey, you can't be here. I told one brother, Lenny, because he was due for quadruple bypass in really, really bad shape and as our sound guy. And I said, hey, Lenny, you know what? If this thing's as serious as they're saying it is, I don't want to kill you because you're here for your duty as a sound guy, you know? So keep your distance, you know, for a little bit, you know? And uh, so at the same time, uh, not knowing how deadly this thing was, we were also loving people enough to be concerned about their own lives and not strutting our liberty as though we're proudly, arrogantly, look at me. We were saying, no, we need to also love our neighbors ourselves, amen? Make sure we don't infect people and kill them uh, because we, we want to show our own liberty because we've graduated, hopefully, to the point of love, amen? Romans 14, read that, man. Because we can have liberty, but we can abuse it if we don't care for another brother or sister in our liberty, amen? This is all serious stuff. So I've looked at, I've looked at that side of it as well from the get-go because I don't want to strut my liberty and say, hey, look at me, you know. I want to love people and lead people to Christ, amen. So anyway, it's, it's important that we continue to fellowship, amen, and not forsake the seven of ourselves together. And whether we're meeting here or in the parking lot or in my backyard, you know, and yeah, we were told that you can only have so many people together in your meetings, but we defied that. We said, we're not going to go by a limit and say we can only meet. And I'm, how can you say this? I mean, what if the government hears what you're saying? I'm saying right now, we'll continue to get together in the name of Jesus. Amen. Obviously, if we knew that we're affecting someone with a deadly disease, we would take precautions. Amen. But at the same time, we're still going to get together one way or another. Amen. And we've tried to take some precautions. But at the same time, we haven't been legalistic about it. We've never said, oh, if you don't wear a mask, you're not going to be able to be in this fellowship you know, or you can't come. No, we never made a rule that you couldn't sit down with. In fact, I think I, when everybody sat down, you'd rarely see a mask on, you know. Uh, but I want to encourage you guys that you have to remain bold for Jesus. Amen. And it's going to get harder and harder. Because right now, to me, my wife and I, we were just shaking our heads, you know, and just lamenting, uh, you know, this, uh, the, the, the gal, you saw the whole swimming thing going down and the, the, the guy, that one that pretends to be a woman, remember? I'm just being honest. That's, he's a biological male. Science, XX, XY chromosomes, you're either biological male or female. 
and he obviously has an advantage. If he, if he, if he swims against other males, he gets smoked. Maybe last place. At that level, he gets last place. Oh, by, by who knows, maybe a, a length or two of, of the swimming pool when he's going against the top athletes. But then he beats the women and he's proud about it. And you look at his body. He's a male, you know. He might be taking certain hormones and stuff, but he has advantages. And if you say that, you're a hater. No, I'm a realist, okay? He made them male and female, made he they, them, says. Amen? That the two would become one flesh. Adam and Eve, amen? Male and female, amen? And now it's like, no, no, you can be a man with a man, and that's cool too. Go look at what happened to Sodom and Gomorrah. I mean, there's still sulfur where it got torched. You can go there right now. I, I ran into a brother a couple different times that I never knew, but he, he'd see me uh, through our podcast or whatever, or through my videos, and he goes, bro, Joe, you got to check out, man. He goes, he'd show me sulfur, and I ran into him again. He goes, Joe, I'm p- grabbing more and more sulfur from that area. Yeah, you can go look at what happened in Sodom and Gomorrah, the remnants of what happened, still there. It's a serious stuff. And if we love people, we'll love them enough to pray for them, encourage them, to let them know Christ died for them, and let them know that we're not to be living lives that are contrary to God's will. And that he made us to live according to his will, amen? And that God's word, not just homosexuals, God's word says adulterers, right? Fornicators, drunkards, and so will not inherit God's kingdom, amen? If you're going out and getting drunk, if you're saying, oh, I'm just having a little bit at home, but you're getting, ham- you're getting drunk, you're going to bed drunk, you're not entering God's kingdom, uh, read 1 Corinthians 6, 9, and 10. You have to make sure you are bold to do God's will, and deny your flesh, amen, and live for him. We have a, an incredible inheritance standing before us in the Lord. And notice that it says, but for the cowardly, the unbelieving, and abominable, verse 8, and murderers. The cowardly are put on the same list with the unbelieving, and abominable, and murderers, and immoral persons, and sorcerers, and idolaters, and all liars. Their part will be in the lake that burns with fire and brimstone, which is the what? Second death. This is what blows me away. And the reason I emphasize this is because cowardly is the first word on the list of the damned. And it's an old word according to A.T. Robertson, the the foremost American Greek scholar before his death a number of years ago. I have his word pictures in the Greek and he states that this is the old Greek word that uh, originally meant to recant your faith. That's serious stuff. And since many will fall away in the end times, And Jesus said many will fall away, but he that endures the end will be saved, Matthew chapter 24. And since there will be an apostasy, we need to heed these warnings. Because how many of you would still be following Jesus if you found out that you'd be arrested and imprisoned or imprisoned and then put to death if you continue to use his name? if you continue to get together as Christians, if you continue to speak from the, the Bible as the word of God, how many of you continue to follow Christ? That lets you know where your faith really is. Amen? Is there enough evidence, as we say sometimes, if you're arrested to convict you that you're really a Christian? Oh, well, let's make it even better than Israel. He said that's a good one and clicked his finger. You know, Israel. Uh, but I'd say this. Is there enough evidence on your Facebook, if you're into Facebook, to, to show that you're a Christian? Or would you just never know? I mean, come on. Joe, you're losing people. 
you know, people love it, and then you start talking like that, and then they get convicted, and if they love Jesus, they'll say, yeah, I need to deal with that. If they're bold, right, or if they want to be bold. We need a baptism of boldness, amen? So I want to encourage you guys. The Bible says in Proverbs 28.1, the wicked flee when no one is pursuing, but the righteous are bold as a lion. I love that, Proverbs 28.1. The wicked flee when no one's pursuing, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. I remember when I was a wicked guy, man, before I knew Jesus, partying, you know, in my, in my teen years, and I was wicked. And guess what? I see a cop car. He's not pursuing me. He might as well have been because I'm, I'm fleeing the scene, you know? Why? Because I had a guilty conscience. Because I'd known I'd done some things. I knew I stole that guy's in, from his backyard, his pot plants. Yeah, I was a bad guy, you know? And I remember looking over my shoulder, man, you know, for a while after that. I remember driving down the road, number, oh, I'm stoned out of my gourd in my rearview mirror. There's a guy in a truck behind me, but guess what? He might, he, I, I think he's undercover. How do I get out of this, you know? Hey, raise your hands. Don't just laugh if you've been through that. Come on. Okay, only 10, 12 of us. Okay, 13, okay. <laughs> and then 10 more that are too cowardly to admit it. No, just kidding. <laughs> uh, but the wicked, why? Because the wicked have guilty consciences. Oh, the wicked can be bold in bad things at times, but not when it comes to really, not when it comes to righteousness, you know. The wicked flee when no one pursues them. Because think of what, what did Adam and Eve do? When it, and they hid themselves. Chapter 3, verse 8 of Genesis. Hid themselves. Because they were guilty, right? They tried to cover it up. Still guilty. The world's tried to cover it up and ignore it. They're still guilty. They go through all kinds of 12-step programs and everything else trying to deal with this issue or that issue, but they're not able to deal with the sin until you repent and you're cleansed by the blood of Jesus. Amen. The cool thing is, is the good news is that God takes the wicked and makes them righteous through the blood of Christ. Amen? Isn't that precious? Because we're all wicked, you know? Some of you are thinking, I wasn't, you know, God, he was pretty bad. He was, he was a scummy guy. I didn't know that. Wow. Well, yeah, I was. So were you, though, or gal, you know? Compared to Christ, we all fall radically short of God's glory. Amen? And those that don't get in the kingdom are those who declare themselves righteous and don't realize any cleansing. So you need to make sure if, you're not, if you don't know Jesus, the Bible says there's none righteous, no, not one. All have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. And that he who says he's without sin is a liar. The truth isn't in him. You need to recognize that it's by his grace that we're saved. And there's none righteous, no, not one. And you have to own up to your sin and confess it to be right. And then you can be bold as a lion because we become righteous through Christ's blood, which changes, which cleanses us. Amen. He cleanses us from our sins. Then he changes us, empowers us by his Holy Spirit. Amen to live a righteous life. And when I got saved, I wanted to be far more radical for Jesus than I was for the devil. And I determined that in my heart, that man, I was living a terrible life, man, for the enemy not even knowing it. Now I know the Lord and what he's done. You know, I want to be bold for him and lift up his name, you know. If you knew me back then, you knew what my favorite band was. You knew what I you knew things about me because friends, they share that, right? You walk in my room, you know who my favorite band was for sure. All these Zeppelin posters all around, big old Hendrix poster. 
And, well, and it would be all throughout my house too, probably, you know, if I owned the house, but I was a punk kid, you know, so I could only adorn my room. But guess what? Now that I'm a Christian, I want people to know who my Savior is, since I know who the true God is, amen, who the maker is. How much more do we want people to know him, amen, the Lord Jesus Christ? So uh, it's awesome because when you are wicked, a mouse can become a lion before you and you'll flee. When you are righteous in the Lord, you know him, a lion can become like a mouse. Changes your whole perception, man. And go to Acts chapter 5. Acts chapter 5. I love this, man. This is one of my favorite passages in the book of Acts, actually. And uh, I don't have time because I want to go to a lot of different verses here to really expound on everything we go to. But uh, in Acts 5, keep in mind, the apostle Peter, prior to this time, had denied the Lord three times. And Jesus prophesied that he would. And he thought he was bold, right? He even challenged the other disciples tacitly, saying to the Lord Jesus, that they may all deny you, but I'll never deny you. I'm ready to go to prison and death for you, Jesus. That's after Jesus told me he was going to deny him. He contradicted Jesus and said, they might, all these disciples might do that to you, but I'm not going to do that to you. And then the Bible shows, with the exception of Judas, that he fell worse than all the other apostles didn't he? Because he's operating in his own strength. That's the key. If you operate in your own strength, you'll end up being cowardly in the end. You have to rely on the power of God. Peter's life was transformed by the time you get to the book of Acts. I mean, he was hiding and shaking behind doors, you know? He's ready to go to prison and death, and then a little lady says to her, you know, are you one of the Galileans, one of his disciples? You know, your speech betrays you. And he denied it with a curse and he used, he swore, it says. Yeah. Little lady. He's there shivering, right? Trying to get warm. He's trying to follow Jesus. His heart is in the right place for the most part. But he doesn't have the strength. He's following Jesus from afar. When you follow Jesus from afar, you're in trouble, man. You want to stay close to him. And not in three times. What changed? What changed between his denial and the book of Acts where all of a sudden he is now as bold as a lion? Jesus. Ooh, here are some different answers. Yeah, two things that many people point to. Usually they point to this or the other, but I believe it's both. And I believe there's even more to it, which we're going to get into. Because we want to be bold. Because you might say, well, I'm just kind of, well, what's interesting is you're better off knowing that you'll fall short because there's trials big enough for the Lord to let us go through them, we'll fall short. Peter didn't think so, and he found that out. And knowing that you need to rely on him, then thinking that you'll never fall. Because when you think you'll never fall, like Peter, you'll never deny him, like Peter thought, you're not likely to cry out to him to help you stand, amen? And that's what happened with Peter. Because right before he denied him, Jesus asked Peter and the disciples to pray with him. Amen? Pray in the Garden of Gethsemane. And while Jesus was praying, the Son of God is praying. And he was crying greatly, Hebrews chapter 5. And his capillaries broke. And with his sweat, because of the intense emotion, blood is falling to the ground. 
hematrodosis. While he was going through hematrodosis, he's crying out to God as a son of God who's perfect, and he realizes he needs to pray. How much more did the disciples need to pray? Yet what were they doing? They were snoring, right? They were sleeping, you know? And he said, arise, you know, let's go. After he said, can't you spend, pray with one hour with me? He felt, right, there was a sense of denial right there. Sense of betrayal to a degree even. Because can you not pray one hour with me? He's going to do, go to the cross for them and take their sins upon himself. He's done everything for them, right? Taught them, discipled them, encouraged them, walked with them, stood for them. And they're all sleeping and snoring. And then guess what? Peter ends up denying him three times. Because Paul says, put no confidence in the flesh. Don't put your confidence in your flesh. Don't put your confidence in your own strength. Remember 1 Corinthians 1.12? Paul says, let him who thinks he stands, what? Take heed lest he fall. Amen. So if you think you're standing, man, you need to take heed. You need to be watchful. You need to be prayerful lest you fall. And then the next verse, Paul says, there's no temptation the Greek word is parasmos, and it can mean trial or temptation. And I tell people that word has two sides, like a coin, because every trial is also exhibits a temptation. And every temptation is a trial, right? There's no temptation or trial that's overtaking you, but that which is common to man. I mean, don't think you have a special kinds of temptation and woe is me. I just, everything just bad happens to me. Everybody else has it made. No, that's not true. You walk in someone else's shoes. The scriptures are true that there's no temptation that's overtaking but that which is common to man. Guess what? We all go through trials and temptations. Amen? You might have a special uh, temptations that maybe other people you don't know face, but there's other people around the world that have those temptations. It's not like Satan's like, oh, that really works, but I'll never use it again. Just on you. No, that's not what's going on there. There's no temptation or trial that's overtaking you, but that which is common to man. But God is what? Faithful, who with the temptation will also give you his way of what? Escape. Escape at a that you may be able to bear it. bear it. Therefore flee, verse 14, the next verse. Therefore flee idolatry. By the way, that, those verses right there just destroy Calvinism because they show you we definitely have free will. Amen? <laughs> Amen. I mean, he's telling you, you take, he's blaming on us if we don't take the path. And he's trying to get us to take the right path. He's encouraging us to, by his Holy Spirit, by the word of God. Amen. He says, Let, you're supposed to take heed so you don't fall. You're supposed to take the way of escape. That you may be able to endure the temptations and trials. Amen. But guess what? I'm telling you right now ahead of time. Persecution is going to get greater and greater in your life to one degree or another. Unless perhaps you pass away in the next day or two. Right? Things are going to get darker, the scriptures say. Evil men will wax worse from, from bad to worse, amen. The last days, perilous times will come. Men will be lovers of self and so forth. Haters of good, okay? All those who live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution, it says, amen. So if you're gonna live godly in Christ Jesus, thus saith the scripture, you will suffer persecution, amen. That's a given. So I'm telling you ahead of time, you need to pray and seek the Lord and you need to have a baptism of boldness, amen. You need to make sure you're relying on the Lord, and when I'm saying baptism, I'm using it in the context of baptizo, in the context metaphorically of an immersion into God's word, into his strength, into his power. Amen. You can't stand on your own. You want to be immersed in him and his strength and in his power. So in Acts chapter 5, P 
Peter's got this boldness. Verse 40, and the apostles, they took his advice. That was the advice of Gamaliel. I don't have time to get into all of the context here because uh, they, meaning the Jewish leaders, took his advice and after calling the apostles in, they flogged them and they ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus and then released them. So they were ordered by government leaders not to speak in the name of Jesus. So they went on their way and does it say they hid in their closets and shook until they grew old and died with malnourishment or something? No. It says, so they went on their way from the presence of the council, rejoicing, and they were flogged. That means they were whipped really good. Yeah. Not like the spankings mom or dad gave you. Really, really, really good. So they went out on their way and from the presence of the council, rejoiced that they had been considered worthy to what? Suffer, Suffer shame for his name. They were rejoicing that they were suffering shame for his name. Wow. Could you rejoice after getting a really bad whooping because you preach Jesus? You should be able to. That's where our hearts need to be. Like, praise God. I was able to suffer for him and, and, and not recant my faith. Amen? That's a big deal. That's a big deal to Peter because remember, he had denied him three times. Amen? And instead of rejoicing, what was he? He says he wept bitterly after that. After he denied the Lord three times, the Lord looked at him as he was being taken out of, of one of his trials, of, a part of his trial, and going to the, actually going to a trial. And guess what? He saw Peter, and Peter saw him. They met eyes, and Peter wept bitterly. I'm telling you right now, man. <laughs> I always say, and not just, it's not just true for kids, like I tell my grandkids. If you're bad, you're sad if you're not bad you're glad and I just went through that again you know uh, I was telling a little gal we we're visiting Arthur who had just, her just died Chad's uh, grandpa so pray for Chad and the family and father would you pray that you bless the entire family and draw Ch Chad close to you through this time and and his children Holly everybody Lance Monica everybody over there and uh, comfort them in your son's name amen we're visiting uh, Galilee. Galilee's a, see a little, she's the cutest thing at times, but she also see that fallen nature, right? And, and uh, grandpa fell asleep, so we're kind of sitting in the living room area, hanging out a little bit. And then Lisa wanted me, I had Eli on my, on my knee, and he's getting kind of older now. He's what, nine years old? And he's on my knee, and I'm telling him a story, right? And he's trying to get me to finish my story because he says, we're going to go Pop-up, you know, my mom and dad are taking me to uh, in and out I want to hear the end of the story. I don't want to have to leave before the story is over. So I'm like trying to tell him. And then my wife, she wants to straighten out a rug that's like a big rug. that's kind of like a throw rug under my feet. She says, can you lift up your legs? So I'm like, I got Eli on me, but I'm, okay. Lift him up. She straightens it out. Put him back down. <laughs> so a little Galilee comes over and she like sees that. And she goes, and she's what? How old is she? Like two? She's two years old. She's like, Lift up your legs, you know? And I had stopped with Eli's story because people kept coming and talking to me over and over again. He's like, please pop up. And she's like, like lift up your legs, which I barely got him up before. So I, and I'm like, I go, no, it's, it's good. It's good, Gally. You know, we're, we're good. And I'm going to try to finish the story, okay? And then she takes the rug and she grabs it and she throws it. She kind of halves it. I'm like, wow, she's not all the way over, but she throws it, makes a mess of it, turns around and goes like this and mopes at the coffee table. And I'm like, thinking, well, you obviously didn't really want to straighten out the rug, you know. <laughs> and then she goes over, 
uh, and goes over to the, what was it, a front door at, at Arthur's house, and she's like moping. And I said, when you're bad, you're sad. Because she's like, she's like, mm, mm, mm. you know, when you're bad, you're sad. And when you're not bad, you're glad. And then I said it a few times, and she'd look at me and go, mm, you know. Then Justice went over there, and Justice has a real good way with her, you know. And usually if I'm not trying to get the story done, I'll go hang out and preach in a little ear for a while, right? But uh, Justice goes over there, and he said the same thing to her. And then he walks away, and then she turned around, and she's beaming, and she's smiling. She comes up to me. That's just like a minute later. I'm like, you know, I, wasn't good. I don't know why I'm telling this story. It just came to my mind. <laughs> Uh, right here, you know, they're rejoicing because <laughs> uh, they're rejoicing because they're being good. They're glad because they're not bad. They're doing God's word, will, right? And she's beaming, just lit up, and she walks into me. She looks at me, and everything's good. And I go, what did you say? She goes, he goes, well, I told her, like you say, you're bad, you're sad. And when you're not bad, you're glad. But then I added that, and if you're not bad, you're, if you're, if you're bad, uh, you'll be sad, and, and then you'll become trash. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh, well, it worked. I don't think I'm going to use that, but uh, it worked. <laughs> uh, oh, man. But, you know, it's interesting because the apostles here are doing what's right, and they're rejoicing, and they're not fleeing. Amen? And they go right back to preaching again. In fact, in verse 42, and every day in the temple, in public again, from house to house, they kept right on teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. Amen? Amen. I mean, I told you, I, years and years ago, I did a message a number of years ago, uh, when the, the, the prayer breakfast, right? Christians get together, they have the prayer breakfast. I think Focus and the Family was doing it with, uh, who's that apologist that died about six months ago? Zacharias, Zacharias Robbie Zacharias. Uh, right, uh, he was doing it with them. And it broke my heart because I heard that they weren't allowed to use the name of Jesus at that prayer breakfast. And they decided they wouldn't. So they pleased the politicians and everybody. And I spoke against that, I think, the week before that prayer breakfast, that that's unbiblical. I would not go to a prayer breakfast where you couldn't use the name of Jesus, you know. And that's, see, the world does not like Jesus. Jesus said you'll be hated by all nations because of my name. Amen. I mean, you could practice Eastern mysticism, all kinds of things in different schools these days, you know, and then, uh, you know, just, you know, but talk about Jesus. I'm not talking about your private club. Talk about some of the classes. I was just talking to somebody in another state, and they're like, yeah, they're practicing TM, Transcendental Meditation, publicly, in the sc- or the school teachers. I'm trying to remember who that was. They said, yeah, it happens all the time. They'll like, you know, they'll want to lead you in Transcendental Meditation or some kind of Eastern mysticism that's teachers often, you know, and it's heartbreaking not saying all across the board, but the name of Jesus, man. So these disciples, a couple things happened. Definitely one of the things that encouraged them was they saw the resurrected Christ, amen? Amen. They saw that what can man do to me, amen? That is going to have a huge effect on you having confidence and boldness, amen? Because we will live again. We will rise again, amen? They're risen from the dead. Or I should say Christ was risen from the dead. They knew that they too would rise from the dead, amen? So that's one thing because they'd seen the resurrected Christ. Some commentators will say that they'll kind of limit it, that to the change. That was a big part of the change, but there's something else going on too. And some of you mentioned it. They had been baptized in the Holy Spirit, amen? amen? The Holy Spirit came upon them in Acts chapter 2 in power, amen? And Jesus said the Holy Spirit would come upon them and they'd been endued with power from on high, amen? 
and that nobody would be able to resist what they say. And he gave them boldness. Amen? In fact, Paul tells Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of what? Sound. A sound mind. Amen? God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. The Holy Spirit gives us power. Love, the fruit of the Spirit is love, peace, joy, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, meekness, right? Against such there is no law, self-control. All these wonderful things come from the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen? So we need to be praying and relying on the Holy Spirit and not on our flesh. Put no confidence in your flesh. Amen? So that's a huge key. Well, look at verse 13 of chapter 4. This is what happened prior to them going and preaching the gospel and being whipped and continuing to preach the gospel. Peter had just healed a lame man in chapter 3 at the portico of the temple. And the, the Jewish leaders were enraged, you know, because people were looking to Christ, right? And they were already in trouble with the authorities before you get to chapter 5. And at 4.13, we read, Now as they observed the what? Confidence of Peter and John and understood that they were what? Uneducated and untrained men. They were amazed and began to what? Recognize them as having been with who? Jesus. Peter and John were not through seminaries. They didn't go to seminary, okay? But the leaders who had been through the rabbinical schools were blown away. They were amazed. Just as you'll read through the Gospels, because Jesus had been through the rabbinical schools and the seminaries of the day, they were blown away at his teaching. Isn't that a trip? And then now his disciples, they're blown away by them. But the key was they'd recognize that they had been with who? Jesus. You want boldness? Spend time with Jesus. The Bible says you become like what you worship. The Bible says those who worship idols will become worthless like their idols. The Bible says when we look to the Lord and we seek him, we are transformed from glory to glory into his image. Amen? Spend time with Jesus in prayer. Spend time with Jesus in his word. Amen? Spend time talking to other people and fellowshipping with others with regard to who Jesus is, amen, and give him glory, amen, and keep your focus on Jesus, looking to Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith, amen. Don't grow weary, it says in well-doing, but look to Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith. You need to keep your eyes on Jesus. You need to spend time with him, okay? There needs to be an intimacy with Jesus. It's not about just knowing, how many times do I preach this? It's not about just knowing in your heads. It's about knowing where and relating to him in your heart. You've got to make that, 18th inch, 18 inch journey or 12 inch or 14 or 19 because some people are thinking is it exactly 18 well it depends on the person okay but that you got to go that journey from the head to the heart where you're trusting him you're leaning into him you're relying upon him amen you're obeying him the obedience of faith or the obedience of allegiance the obedience of trust so they have been with Jesus, verse 14, and seeing the man who had been healed standing with them. What a sight, man. This guy had been lame since his birth, and now he's standing with them. And he'd been at the temple for who knows how many years, right? And they had nothing to say in reply. Yeah, how can they? But when they had ordered them to leave the council, they began to confer with one another, saying, what shall we do with these men? For the fact that a noteworthy miracle has taken place through them is apparent to all who live in Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. 
but so that it will not spread any further among the people, let us warn them to speak no longer to any man in this name. Now, they could talk about the healing, but they can't speak to anybody. It's about the name of Jesus, amen. And verse 18 says, and when they had summoned them, they commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. He's the issue, guys, because he's the name that's above every name, and demons hate his name. Satan hates his name. Because they, they want to bring as many people down with them. They don't want people to be saved. Verse 19, but Peter and John answered and said to them, whether it is right in the sight of God to give heed to you rather than to God, you be the judge. For we cannot stop speaking about what we have seen and heard. Eyewitness testimony, guys. When they had threatened them further, they let them go, finding no basis on which to punish them on account of the people because they were all glorifying God for what had happened. So people were tripping out what had happened, and as long as that momentum was going, they thought we can't do much. Verse 22, for the man was more than 40 years old on whom this miracle of healing had been performed. Wow. They preached Jesus, and they preached Jesus as the only way, because Peter goes on to say, there's no name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved right after this. There's no name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. So they preached Jesus. They preached him as the only way to salvation, which guess what? The Torah observant Jews didn't want him to be the Messiah. They didn't like that message. The pluralistic uh, Roman, Greco-Roman culture, uh, they didn't want to hear it either because they wanted to believe that there's many ways and you didn't want to say there's only one way because in the Christians in the early first centuries of the church were called atheists. We were called the atheists. Because we didn't believe in the Roman and Greek demon gods. Oh, we believe they existed. We exist, we exist as, as either idols, which were not anything, or demonic powers that were using those idols, which are real things but evil. Okay? So they didn't like that message. And that's why, you know, Nero was able to claim that the, the fires in Rome during the time of Paul were a result of Christians and their atheism. That's what was going on there and turned many against the church even more. So persecution, uh, Christians oftentimes become the scapegoat, okay? Do you, do you, are you realized when you read the religious left? And when I mean religious left, I'm talking about left-wing media. They're very religious in their, uh, in their spiritual duty to, to killing babies, to confusing us on what marriage is or trying to confuse people. We know that, and my wife said something to me, and I, she feels uncomfortable giving me a fist pump. She's, say, she's, she's, she's calling abortion baby killing, even when we're talking. She goes, that, that, that person believes you know, in baby killing, and, and, you know, and that baby, and I'm like, I put my fist out, and she gave me a fist pump. And she's like, you know, I guess you don't want me to treat you like a dude sometimes, you know, but I'm like, but I go, no, it's really cool that you said baby killing, because I've been telling people, you know, we use the term abortion, but I try to use the word baby killing because that's exactly what it is, okay? Because there's a radical holocaust going on in our country. And let's call it what it is because Satan wants to tame everything, make it look not so good. He wants to sanitize murder, and it's wicked. So, and I'm saying we need to call, call, there's a holocaust. We're living not in Nazi Germany. We're living in a holocaust in our country, United States of America, where over 60 million Innocent babies have been butchered 10 times the amount of Jews that were killed in the Holocaust, which was also absolutely wicked. But they were treated. Do you know how they can kill the Jews and get away with it? By calling them less than human, comparing them to rodents. 
Well, guess how they do it with babies? They call them tumors, cancers, you know. It's just cells, you know, not really babies. They dehumanize them. We can't let that go on, and we need to say these are babies that are being killed. Amen? And you'll be persecuted because of it by the left. But we need to take a stand for what's right. But mainly we need to take a stand for the name of Jesus. Amen? And, 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 and preach the faith. So uh, now, you'll be hated because of my name, he said. And he warned us that that would happen. And then in Matthew 10, I want you to go to Matthew chapter 10. Verse 21 and 22. It says, brother, Jesus said when he's sending them out to go and be witnesses, brother will betray brother to death. That's going to happen. You'll be betrayed possibly, potentially to death if this is to happen in our time. But guess what? Many brothers have been, and sisters in the Lord have been uh, persecuted to death prior to the tribulation. So that can happen in a lot of countries and in our country eventually. You'll be betrayed to death and a father his child and children will rise up against parents and cause them to be put to death. Oh, my parents don't have the mark of the beast and they're living off of some food that they saved. You want to, they're over there. That's sick, isn't it? You'll be hated by all because of my name. But it is, a, it is the one who has what? The one who has endured to the end who will be saved. Not the cowardly who deny their faith, but those who persevere in their faith. Amen? Matthew 10, 32 and 33. Jesus says in 32, the same chapter, Therefore, everyone who confesses me before men, I also will confess him before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I also will deny him before my Father who is where? In heaven. Right? So, we need to know that if we persevere and we don't become cowards and we endure to the end, we'll be saved. But even though we're being betrayed and, and we're, we're scared in the flesh, don't look to your flesh. Look to the Lord. And then persevere and confess him because if you deny him, he'll deny you before the Father. Well, you want to know how you can have assurance? Look what he said before he says these things. This gives you, should give you a lot of hope. Chapter 10, verse 28. Do not fear those who kill the what? Body, but are what? Unable to kill the soul. Recognize that you are more than body and soul. Recognize that you are temporal. Our bodies are temporary, amen? Our bodies are gonna die, you're gonna die. Can you imagine denying the Lord and saying, I don't wanna follow Jesus anymore, man, because I could lose my life? You're gonna lose your life anyway. And then dying because you got bit by some mosquito or something a little bit later or whatever you died from, you're dying anyway. Now you're going to hell. Do not fear those who kill the body but are unable to kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. That's who you should fear, right? Then look at how much he cares for us. Are not two sparrows sold for a cent? And yet not one of them fall to the ground apart from your father. But the very hairs on your head are all numbered. Do not, so do not fear. You are more valuable than many sparrows. Wow. We're told don't fear man. Fear God, right? And don't fear man because the Father cares about you more than he cares for many sparrows. I didn't turn to this, but I shared this passage with Arthur when we were encouraging him, not knowing he would die, you know, just a little bit later that he's cared for, that God takes care of the birds. And he says, how much more does he care for you? And all your head's hairs are numbered. And for an 85-year-old man, he still has a lot of hair. I was like, wow, it's a good illustration for him. So, so we need to be encouraged, man, that he cares about us deeply, Amen. 
and he loves us and our hairs are numbered. Therefore, we should be bold, amen? Be bold because you are radically loved by your father, amen? He knows every hair on your head. He cares about the sparrow. He, he watches their funerals when they die. But you're worth far more to him, of far greater value than they are. That's very powerful. In fact, guess what? You, you may be killed, but guess what? You can't be destroyed. Luke 21, 16 through 19. But you will be betrayed even by parents and brothers and relatives and friends. Ooh, even the relatives and the friends are there. And they will put some of you to death. And they will put some of you to death. Yeah, you can be killed, but listen. And you will be hated by all because of my name. Yes, but look at verse 18. Yet not a hair on your head will perish. By your endurance, you gain your lives. Wow, I can get my head chopped off and beheaded, but I don't lose one hair on my head. Why? Isn't that heavy? Because guess what? Remember when the rich man and Lazarus died? Remember even the rich man in hell? What did he say? Send Lazarus over here. Have him dip his finger in water and stick it on my what? My tongue. Okay? We have, even our incorporeal being has some sense of design to it that is in some sense, at least in the incorporeal world, tangible. And we will also be resurrected. Amen? I mean, it talks about the, the souls under the altar before the resurrection that the Father gives them what? Robes, you know? So uh, you, you'll die, but guess what? You'll still be alive. Amen? You have, all this should help us to have what? Boldness. Amen? You can't kill me. Amen? Hebrews 13.6 says this. We confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What will man do to me? And right before that, he says, the Lord will neither leave, me, leave you or forsake you. Amen? What can man do to you? It's praise God. It is awesome. Behold, the devil is about to cast him into prison. I read this earlier or quoted earlier. Be faithful to death and I will give you the crown of life. You're going to die, but you're going to have the crown of life. You're going to lose your head maybe, but you're still, it's not going to be just a head with a crown. You're going to be resurrected. I love what Paul said. He talked about having boldness. And he says in Philippians 1.27, only conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ so that whether I come and see you or remain absent, I will hear of that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. And that might be translated better allegiance right there because they're standing together for the faith, the pistis of the gospel. In no way alarmed by your opponents. Don't be alarmed by them. Don't freak out. Don't, don't cower, which is a sign of destruction for them but of salvation for you, and that, and that too from God. For to you it has been given, it has been granted for Christ's sake, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for his sake. You're going to suffer. If you say, I can't, I'm a Christian, how could I be suffering? That's part of the deal sometimes, guys. We all will suffer persecution, amen? And all of our bodies are getting older, and the Bible says they decay day by day, but if you're a Christian, the good news is they're also, your spirit's being what? 2 Corinthians 4, being renewed day by day. Amen? So we can have boldness. How could Paul speak with such boldness? Oh, he's just hanging out under a big tree, just loving life. Wrong. He's in prison when he writes this letter. And he's able to rejoice over and over again because he's Christ-focused. And, well, look at what his focus. A few verses earlier, verse 21, he says, For to me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. That's why he can rejoice and be bold and be in prison and not sweat it and say in the same cha in, in chapter four that I've learned to be uh, content whether I'm abounding or abased. I've learned to go through everything for Christ because whether I have much or little, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, amen? He goes on to say, but if I am to live in, in on, on the flesh, if I'm to live on, this will mean fruitful labor for me and I do not know which to choose. 
I am hard-pressed or torn from both directions, having the desire to depart and be with Christ, for that is very much better. But he says, I'm going to stay with you to bear more fruit because he knows God's going to let him live for a while. So guess what? Paul's torn between two desires. But he says it's very, it's not just better. It's not just much better. In the Greek, it's two adjectives before better. Very much better. Very much better. In the English, it's translated often. To actually die and be with Christ. That's why if you threaten me by taking my head, you're threatening me with something that's very much better than staying here with you lousy antichrist. Amen? amen? Don't deprive me of my blessing. Can I hear amen to that? <laughs> and don't let that amen just be on your head and your lips. Let it be in your heart. Amen? Because there's a resurrection. Paul is championing the fact that Jesus rose from the dead. The resurrection. He says, I affirm, brethren, uh, verse 31 and 32, by the boasting in which you have in Christ, Jesus, our Lord, I die daily. If from human motives I fought with wild beasts at Ephesus, what does it profit me? If the dead are not raised, let us drink, eat, drink, and be merry, or for tomorrow we die. Let us eat and drink. Right there, we don't have the merry. We have that elsewhere in the Bible. Uh, for tomorrow we die. In other words, he says, guess what? If Christ didn't rise, I'm just going to party, party. He goes, but because this is true, because we've seen the resurrected Christ, because we can have eternal life, I die daily. He goes, why am I fighting against wild beasts at Ephesus? And there was a, there was a theater where uh, you could be thrown into lions and stuff in Ephesus. So some believe he's speaking metaphorically. Others speak, no, he's probably speaking literally. And God just saved him from the jaw of the lion as he sells elsewhere. Either way, he's combating He's going through hell and high water because he knows that he will continue to live even if his body dies. And he goes on to say a few verses later, chapter 50, verse 50, or chapter 15, verse 50, uh, I tell you a mystery. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We should not all sleep, but we shall be what? Changed, right? In the twinkling of the eye at the last trumpet. Amen? That's beautiful. And I love it because in Acts 4.23 and following, he goes on to talk about how, I'll just read it. Part of it. And when they had been released, this is before they go and get whipped in chapter 5. And when they had been released, they went to their own companions and reported all the chief priests and the elders uh, what it said to them. And they heard it and they go on and they chat about this whole thing. It's interesting because look at verse 29 if you're there. You don't have to go there, but Acts 4.29. And now the Lord, they're praying now. They're praying. They're crying out to God. And now, Lord, take note of their threats. What are they praying for? Quiz, what are they praying for? And now, Lord, take note of their threats and grant that your bondservants may speak your word with all confidence. Or the ESV, English Channel Version, with all boldness. They're praying that God would give them boldness. Amen? They're praying for it, right? Verse 30, while you extend your hand to heal and signs and wonders take place through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place where they had gathered together was shaken and they were all what? Filled with the Holy Spirit and began to what? Speak the word of God with what? Boldness. With boldness, man. Now, they prayed that God would give them a boldness. You have not because you ask not. If we ask anything in accordance with his will that we have it, does he want us to be bold for Jesus? They pray for it. They pray for boldness. Now they're filled with the Holy Spirit and they speak the word of God with boldness. Amen. I cry out to God every time before I go into the pulpit. Lord, help me ha have boldness. I'm not saying I always use the word boldness, but I do frequently, you know. I pray, God, help me have humility. Help me have love for my brothers and sisters. Help me have boldness. These kinds of things are parts of my prayer life, you know, because I know it's his will that we have these things. And we ask 
accordance with his will. We line up with his will. And guess what? He filled them with the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. So you, you're like facing a crisis in your life. You're facing a hard time at work. You're facing uh, some persecution uh, at school, at work, your neighborhood, friends, whatever. You need to be praying constantly. Lord, give me boldness. Help me to be more like Jesus. And by virtue of you just praying, you're spending time with the Lord. Amen? You're having intimacy and you're becoming more like him. By spending time in his word, you have these examples of great boldness. They convict us when we're le- less bold. There's, and people, you know, my wife always says, I, everywhere you go, man, you just talk to everybody. It's just so easy for you, da, da, da. I don't see myself that way. Honestly, she'll say that to me off and on. She goes, you just talk to anybody. It's so easy for you. It's not. I pray for boldness. In my natural, man, I'd be going doing something on my own. Without Jesus, if I didn't have Jesus, I wouldn't be the guy I am. And it's only him and by his grace, amen, that we have the strength to be bold for him. But I pray. In fact, one of the boldest people in the New Testament is the Apostle Paul. Man, you look at who went through more trials other than Jesus in the New Testament, it's Paul. I mean, I could read a whole list of things he went through. Yet in chapter, uh, chapter 6, he talks about putting on the whole armor of God. And after he talks about that in, chapter, in verse 20, he says, pray for me that I would have boldness. Why is the Apostle Paul praying for boldness? Because he knows if he's not relying on the power of the Holy Spirit, he would not be bold as he needs to be, amen? Now, if the Apostle Paul needs to pray for boldness, Joe Schimmel needs to pray for boldness, amen? If, if Apostle Paul needs to pray for boldness, you need to pray for boldness, amen? And I need to pray for boldness. So we're seeing examples in scriptures where and Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. That's an example. He prayed for boldness. He asked for prayer for boldness. Let's pray for each other to have boldness. The beautiful thing, though, and why you should be bold is not only because when you die, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord, right? We talked about that already, right? They can, can kill the body, but they can't kill the soul, amen? But also, guess what? Be bold because the Lord is with you. When Jesus gave the great commission and told us to be witnesses, and by the way, you're not supposed to be sitting on your rear end as a Christian. You're supposed to be a light, right? Not hiding your, your light under a bushel, but letting it shine, amen? We're the salt of the earth. You're the light of the world. You're the salt of the earth, all of us together. And he commanded his disciples to go into all the world and preach the gospel to all nations, right? Teaching them to observe all things that have commanded you. Lo, I'm with you always even to the end of the age. What? Baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then he says, and lo, I'm with you, what? Always Always to the end of the age. Joshua 9, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not tremble. Don't be a coward or be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Amen? Hebrews 13, 5. Make sure that your character is free from the love of money. Be content with what you have. For he himself has said, I will never desert you, nor will I ever forsake you. So you may confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What will man do to me? In Matthew chapter 13, Jesus said, you're going to go before the magistrates. You're going to go before the leaders and to preach the gospel to all the nations, right? And he says that they're going to be persecuted right there. And in verse 11, he says, and they arrest you and they will arrest you and hand you over. Do not worry beforehand what you are to say. But say whatever is given you in that hour, for it is not you who speaks, but it is what? It's the Holy Spirit. Remember Esther? Remember going before Haman? Esther 4.16, And thus I will go into the king, which is not according to the law. And if I perish, I perish. If I perish, I perish. Man, you have the power of the Holy Spirit. Okay? She didn't have the Holy Spirit like we have the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit was with her, He is in us. Amen. Isaiah 41, verse 10. Do not fear, for I am with you. 
Do not anxiously look about you, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Surely I will help you. Surely I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Behold, all those who are angered at you will be shamed and dishonored. Those who contend with you will be as nothing and will perish. A couple more passages. Go to Romans chapter 8. You are invincible in Christ Jesus. Not because you are invincible in yourself. You're not. We're, we're dead without Jesus, amen? We're consumed. It's by his mercies that we're not, consumed, we're not consumed every morning, amen? Lamentations chapter three. But guess what? In Christ, you're invincible. Romans chapter eight. Romans chapter eight. Verse 32. Ah, uh, I gotta go to verse 31. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, what? Who is against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him over for us all. How will he not also with him freely give us all things? Who will bring a charge against God's elect? God is the one who justifies. Who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is the one who died. Yes, rather the one who raised, who is at the right hand of God, who also intercedes for us. He's praying for us, guys. Verse 35, who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Just as it is written, for your sake, we are being put to death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. Verse 37, but in all these things, even in being killed, even in being killed, but in all these things we overwhelmingly conquer. That's the same word, nakao, overcome, that's in Revelation 21.7 that we started with. And all these things we overwhelmingly conquer. It's even stronger than that word. It's, with, it's that word with a superlative. We overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. Verse 38, for I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen? Amen. Amen. Will not be able to separate us from what? The love of God, which is where? In Christ, in Christ Jesus, our Lord. You just have to make sure you're in Christ. Amen? Amen? Just make sure you're in Jesus. And if you're in Jesus, there's nothing that could happen to you except salvation. Except Amen? <laughs> and 1 John chapter 2, verse 26 these things I have written to you concerning those who are trying to deceive you. As for you, the anointing which you have received from him abides in you, and you have no need anyone to teach you. But as the anointing teaches you all things, and is true, and is not a lie, and just as it has taught you, abide in him. Now, little children, abide in him, abide in him, so that when he appears, we may have confidence or boldness and not shrink away from him in shame at his coming brothers and sisters we have confidence if we are in him that's the key make sure you are trusting jesus amen make sure you are in christ because if you don't have jesus you should be shaking you should be trembling if you don't have jesus the bible says the demons believe and they tremble why because they're not saved they're going to face the wrath of god and if you don't have the jesus christ and you've not forgiven your sins and your rebellion to god and the Bible says, he that's, Jesus said, he that's not with me is what? Against me. against me. If you're not with Jesus, you're against him. You're an enemy of his. But the Bible says, while we were yet sinners, when we were enemies, Christ died for us. That's the good news. Amen. Is he paid for your sins on the cross. Hallelujah. And you can be cleansed of your sins and you can have confidence and not shrink away from him at his coming. You can have confidence right now and seek him and through prayer. Hebrews 4.16 says, so let us come boldly 
to the throne of grace to obtain mercy in time of need. His throne is the throne of grace. Jesus died for you. He's at the right hand of the Father and has got the nail pierced, resurrected hands, guys. And he paid for your sins. So you can have confidence going into his presence right now because of what he did. The King James Version and others, some translations, New Living Translation, others have boldness. NASB, we go with confidence into his throne room. How can we have confidence going into the throne room with a thrice holy God because of what Jesus did on the cross? Because his precious blood is so beautiful, so good, so pure, that all of our sins have been died. He died for all of them, and all of our sins can be forgiven if we confess our sins and come to him. Amen? If you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, I encourage you right now, in the name of Jesus Christ, there is, as Peter said in chapter 4 of Acts, there's only one name given under heaven among men whereby we must be saved, and that is the name of Jesus. Because Buddha did not die for your sins. Muhammad did not die for your sins. Zoroaster did not die for your sins. Okay? Eminem did not die for your sins. Okay? None of these guys died for your sins. In fact, they wouldn't die for your sins. But you have an amazing God who loves you and cares for you who did die for your sins. Amen? And you come to him in confidence. You say, God, have mercy on me. I'm a sinner. I admit it, man. Because deep down you know it. And then instead of fleeing in shame at his coming and begging the rocks to crush you as the wicked will do in Revelation chapter 6. You'll be able to say, I thank you, God. You worship him not only now, but forever and ever. Amen. You'll sing praises to his name, and you'll leave this life joyfully, whether it's by persecution, by accident, by natural death, disease, whatever. You'll go into his presence forever and ever. Amen. And you'll rejoice forever and ever. Amen. Let's be bold for Jesus. Let's be overcomers who inherit all these things that we read about at the beginning of this message. Amen. Amen. And not be among the cowardly who shrink back when persecution comes and refuse to lift up the name of Jesus anymore. Amen. Amen. Let's not run with the crowd. Let's run with Jesus. Amen. We serve an audience of one, the name, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. So if you're not saved, embrace him right now as your Lord and Savior. Could we all please pass out the cup and the bread?